Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Don't Worry About a Thing. Cause every little thing gonna be alright. Edition. As we look back at Sunday's lopsided loss to the now 9-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, post-game comments from players and coaches, and in-depth analysis from Dave Lapham. And in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know the person under the pads as I go one-on-one with rookie linebacker Marcus Bailey. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the Masters theme music. Hello, friends, and greetings from Augusta National. It's Sunday at the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. I love everything about the Masters, and I enjoyed watching Dustin Johnson win his first green jacket over the weekend. The only downside of watching the tournament in November is that it gave me an overwhelming desire to golf, just as the weather in the north is getting too cold to tee it up. I'll just have to crank up this theme music and dream of spring. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. For the Bengals to upset the NFL's last undefeated team, they were going to have to play with minimal mistakes. Unfortunately, they dropped the ball, literally and figuratively, less than two minutes into the game. The Australians punt as a line drive. Alex Erickson catches with a chance to run it back from the 19. Up the middle of the field to the 30. And he'll be knocked forward. The ball pops out near the 33-yard line. The Steelers are celebrating. No signal from the officials yet. As the tug of war goes on at the bottom of the pile. The Steelers came away with the ball at the Cincinnati 32. And even though they didn't pick up a first down, a Chris Boswell field goal gave Pittsburgh a 3-0 lead. It was that kind of day. And here's Zach Taylor. Um, we, we were not good enough in any area today, offense, defense, special teams, and we really weren't good enough coaching. And that, that is with me 100%. I, I, was, uh, I feel like I let these guys down today, so it all starts with me. The Bengals could not pick up a first down on their first three possessions, and the Steelers took advantage of getting the ball five times in the first quarter. First, another field goal made it 6 nothing, and then... Ben Roethlisberger struck. First and 10 at the Cincinnati 12-yard line. Empty backfield. Five receivers for Big Ben. Catches the shotgun snap. Quick pass. Caught. Touchdown. Deontay Johnson was on the receiving end, and it was 12-0 after the Steelers failed on a two-point conversion try. The Bengals finally picked up a first down with about a minute to go in the first quarter. But on the very next play... First and 10 Bengals at their own 45. Steelers moving around on defense. Here comes the shotgun snap and a quick throw. Caught over the middle by T. Higgins. Ball's ripped out, and the Steelers recover 10 yards downfield. Unbelievable. Secure the ball. After one quarter, the Bengals had two turnovers and one first down. 
but they came to life on their first drive of the second quarter. From the 24, Burrow looking to throw. He's going to fling it deep. T. Higgins wide open at the 50. Catches near the sideline, 30, 25, and tackled out of bounds after a huge gain by Minka Fitzpatrick. I'll tell you, blown coverage. Very uncharacteristic for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That 54-yard pass was the big play on a 90-yard touchdown drive that ended with a gutsy call. The Bengals are an absurd 12 for 13 on fourth down conversions this year, and they are going to go for it on fourth and goal from the two-yard line. They spread out. Empty backfield, five wides, three left, two right. Burrow standing at the seven. Catches the shotgun snap. Throws nice. left. Caught. Nice. Touchdown. <laughs> T. Higgins, who dunks the football over the goalpost as the Bengals score on fourth and goal from the two. Higgins had a big day, overcoming the fumble to finish with a career-high seven catches for 115 yards, his second 100-yard receiving performance of the season. I haven't fumbled in who knows when, and that really got to me. And the guys are just like, keep your head up, stay, stay positive. And it's going to come. And sure enough, uh, next series, you know, uh, made the big play. Then I scored the touchdown. The Bengals were back in it, trailing 12-7. But not for long as Pittsburgh answered with a 78-yard scoring drive. Roethlisberger ready for the shotgun snap. Tightly bunched formation. He's back to throw. Blitz coming. Roethlisberger throws. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster in the back of the end zone as Roethlisberger... Saw the rush closing in, inched up just a bit, and delivered a strike. That made it 19-7, and after a Bengals punt, the Steelers added another field goal to make it 22-7 with 1.48 left in the half. That gave Joe Burrow enough time to run the hurry up, and he completed four straight passes to drive to the Pittsburgh 35. From here, it would be a 53-yard field goal, so the Bengals would love to get about 10 more yards for Randy Bullock. They trail 22-7, 29 seconds left in the half. Empty backfield for Burrow, extends the hands, catches the shotgun snap. He's back Uh to throw, he's in trouble, and he's sacked by Watt back at the 48-yard line. That took the Bengals out of field goal range, and a couple of plays later, Burrow got pushed out of bounds by Bud Dupree and went flying into the bench, twisting his ankle in the process. I mean, it wasn't a hit or anything. Um, He might have pushed me a little late, but it wasn't a hit. I uh, just, you know, he gave me a little extra boost and, you know, I ended up rolling my ankle on the sideline. Were you still feeling it in the second half there? Doesn't matter. Perhaps not, but after throwing for 189 yards with a passer rating of 100.2 in the first half, Burrow went 5 for 15 in the second half for 24 yards. Furthermore, the Bengals finished the game 0 for 13 on third down conversions. I just played terrible in the second half. You know, we. I missed a lot of throws and that I usually make. Um, you know, that's that was the game. You know, I missed I missed a lot of throws in the second half. Go 0 for 13 on third down. I think it might have been 0 for 13, something like that. Obviously, that's that's not going to win you football games. What was the biggest reason in your mind that it worked out that way? I missed throws. Um, that's all it came down to. You know, I'm you're not going to be able to win football games against. A team like the Steelers, as good as they are when your quarterback plays like I did in the second half. Pittsburgh's quarterback, on the other hand, did not struggle in the second half. He's thrown for 294 yards and two touchdowns. He catches the shotgun snap, pump fakes, throws it into the end zone, in traffic, caught for a touchdown by Chase Claypool. Big Ben is ready, play clock at two, catches the shotgun snap, quick throw, caught, touchdown. 
Claypool with his second touchdown catch of the game. Touchdown pass number four for Big Ben. Boy, it almost looks like, uh, you know, we've, we've seen this movie before. It's a horror movie that Bengals fans have been forced to watch for 17 years. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 333 yards with four touchdowns and no picks as the Steelers improved to 26-7 and in the games that Big Ben has started against Cincinnati. Here's Sam Hubbard. He's a great player, and he's uh, he's Big Ben for a reason, and he, he knew what he wanted to do and where he was going with the ball, and uh, they had a good plan, and uh, he made a lot of great throws and good decisions. Although the Bengals were behind 36-7 to in the fourth quarter, Burrow kept playing despite the twisted ankle. Zach Taylor was asked about it after the game. Zach, what was the thought process leaving Joe in that last drive? You took a couple of hits, you're down – you know, 36 to seven or whatever. Did you think about taking him out? You know, we, we tried to manage it some with the runs. Um, we wanted to get some points, get some momentum going, you know, to be honest with you. And uh, and just, we left him in there. And Burrow was happy they did. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a quitter. I'm not going out of the game. No, doesn't matter if we're down 100, down 10, down 20. I'm not going out. A 39-yard run on a fake punt by Sean Williams helped the Bengals tack on a late field goal to make the final score 36-10, to their 11th consecutive loss to Pittsburgh. Here are Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, and Sam Hubbard. We don't overreact to this. It was not our best performance. Um, we went on the road. We didn't really win in any phase, any, any uh, uh, statistical category in terms of the turnovers, the penalties, the explosive plays. We didn't win any of them. And so you go on the road, you, there's no way you're going to win a football game doing that way against a good football team. And, and so we know what the reasons were. We know that we could have played better. Um, and, and we got to put this game behind us, quite frankly, and move on. You know, and that's, that's the biggest key because we still got seven games left, a big one next week at Washington. Um, we can't let Pittsburgh beat us twice. That's the biggest key. And, and uh, again, it, it's disappointing because this isn't how we thought we were going to come out and play, but it's what happened. And so we just got to take it like a man and move on and, and uh, go focus on the next game. It's never good to lose like this, but it, it's always a good learning experience. Um, you know, I told, when I was talking to the sideline, uh, you know, I think we're, we're in that game if, if I don't suck in the second half and I'm not gonna suck a lot. So we're gonna come back to work every day and yeah, I'm excited to go, go back to practice on, on Tuesday or on, on Wednesday and, and start getting these kinks worked out and, and move on to Washington. Yeah, I think we got a great locker room. We got a, a, got a lot of guys that, you know, are going to feel the pain of this loss, and we're going to come right back and go to work and try and go on a run here these last seven games. Um, you know, I definitely want to be a leader, but I, like I said, we got a good locker room with a lot of good guys, and, uh, you know, we want, we're doing things the right way. We're, we're getting better, and uh, we're just going to keep climbing. Up next, a road game against the Washington football team who fell to 2-7 and seven with a three-point loss in Detroit as the Lions kicked a 59-yard field goal as time expired. But it was quite a day for Alex Smith, who has come back from his gruesome leg injury that required 17 surgeries to regain the starting quarterback job in Washington. He threw for a career-high 390 yards in Sunday's loss remarkable. Now, time for post-game analysis from Dave Lapham. Lap, the Bengals did not play well. That was obvious. But right now, the two teams are not competitive. The Bengals have been outscored 63-10 to in their two games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I mean, if it's a litmus test, 
it's shown <laughs> they're not ready um, measuring stick they're way down the bottom of the measuring stick so they have miles to go before they rest and, and the disappointing thing in this one was they were understaffed by coaches you know not having when you don't have all those eyes that are eliminated I mean the more feedback you get the better off you are when guys come to the sideline they're used to talking to a particular coach and getting feedback and that I'm not these aren't excuses these are facts that was different um, but it's COVID-19 era, so that's the different part of it. There are players that are affected by COVID-19. There are, you know, guys brought off the practice squad. It's a, it, they, were, they were undermanned, theoretically, at the tackle position, at the cornerback position. I thought the tackle stepped up and played well. Two guys that uh, I thought Adenogy showed himself well. I think he belongs. Spain's been in the league six years. He, we already know he belongs. So I thought those two guys acquitted themselves well. On the back end, I think they had their issues, um, and there's there's no question about it. But, you know, special teams didn't play well. Offense didn't play well. Defense didn't play well. You go 0 for 13 on third down, third down's the money down. They were bankrupt at every position there was offensively. They made no money. I mean, they were broke. They were turning their pockets inside out, and nothing fell out. So they got to get that rectified. Um Fourth down, obviously, is their money down. <laughs> That's the down. They're 13 out of 14 now, and they scored on more than one fourth down. Maybe they should forget about third down, go right to fourth. It's crazy, but um, this this was – there's not not very much positive you can take out of a performance uh, that took place today. Uh, you know, you, you fall behind too early in the turnover department. You have penalties. You have turnovers. Um, you don't convert one conversion on third down. I mean, you're not going to win a football game. You're going to get blown out by a good team like they did. Zach Taylor used the term, I blame myself, it's my fault, something along those lines several times in his post-game news conference. Do you think he's specifically blaming himself for his play calling on third down? Do you think that was the biggest thing about his own performance that he was self-critical of? I, I think he was self-critical of everything. And uh, like a good quarterback like he was, he's accepting all the blame and deflecting all the credit. You know, and because uh, he said, you know, we took a sack in the two-minute drill. I, that was my, I shouldn't have called that play. That's on me. You know, so it, 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 I think I think situational stuff. I think he was probably disappointed in uh, the calls that were made in hindsight when he's able to go back over them. But they just uh, there was just a, a lack of uh, lack of execution. Um, you know, Joe Burrow makes uh, makes the throw. Um, you know, many times down the sideline that would have been a big, big play. Could have been another, you know, 35, 40-yard play to add to the uh, add to the yards of T. Higgins, and doesn't happen. So, that, and, and Joe Joe Burrow himself said he played pretty well in the first half, but in the second half he just he said I I just didn't throw it well. I didn't play well. I missed too many throws. I missed throws that I've made, you know, over and over again. T. Higgins said that he and Joe on that play that he overthrew had you know worked and repped in practice more than one time and done it successfully and. You know, sometimes you have a stinker, and they had a full-fledged stinker. I did like the fact that Joe Burrow said afterward, I won't suck like that very often, which I found amusing. He was 21 for 40, 213 yards, one touchdown, no interception. Do you have any issue with him staying in the game at the end of the game? You know, I guess to, to me it looks like when a guy's limping, you know, but Joe, Joe obviously convinced everybody that he was okay to go. Particularly the medical staff. Do you think it was brought up? I think I think it was probably brought up. Yeah, and and to me, 
Paul Sparling, he make, he errs on the side of caution all the time. So they must have done a quick examination. Joe said it was a minor, you know, roll of the ankle, a twist of the ankle. Obviously, he wanted to be in there and finish it. He just his whole thing in the you know in the Zoom call after the game is I'm not a quitter. I don't quit. He didn't want to go out under those circumstances. Take him out of a game like they took Ben out and Mason Rudolph's finishing. He'd do that all day, every day. He didn't want to go out in a situation and feel like he's deserting his guys and uh, and, and give give the aura or the impression of quitting. So I guess uh, you know I guess that that ruled the day. And then you know Zach said they're still trying to score points and trying to create momentum and. Um, I don't know. It's just the one, th- the biggest thing that I took out of uh, Zach's um, talk after the game was a good point. Don't let the Pittsburgh Steelers beat you twice. Make sure you pay attention to things you did wrong, and that's going to be a litany. That's going to be a long, long legal size pad list. Uh, but make corrections and then get ready for the Washington Redskins because that defensive football team is pretty damn good. And Alex Smith lit it up. He's a great story. Um, it's you know you can't you can't assume ah we're gonna you know we're gonna go to Washington and beat the Redskins ah man you got to go play Washington football team I keep saying Redskins <laughs> yeah the football team <laughs> gotta go gotta go to Washington and uh, and win and beat that football team uh, you just you can't make assumptions you know I mean who who are the Bengals to make an assumption like that anyway so <laughs> you got to make sure you get that out of your head uh, it's like okay now now we start to to get. Don't you think that other teams in the league, like Washington and others, are saying, yeah, here come the Bengals, that's a win, that's a W? I mean, you know, really, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, everybody's saying, let's schedule them for homecoming week. Here it is. Let's, let's get, get after the Bengals. So you don't make any assumptions like that. You just got to go back to square one, work, prepare. Hopefully you have all your coaches back. Um, you know, the, um, anybody that tested positive is out 10 days. Anybody that is contact tracing is out five. So you got to figure Golden and Duffner would only be five days, but I mean those guys. How about that situation? You know they travel. Bob McDowell didn't travel, but those guys traveled, and they're in rental cars driving back in the afternoon before the football game, getting back to Cincinnati so they can watch as much as they can on TV and before they study tape and everything. I mean that's a that's a crazy dynamic. Only in the year 2020. Pittsburgh finished with nine quarterback hits and four sacks. That's almost exactly what they averaged per game. And obviously they had a huge lead in the second half, which helps you get after the quarterback. But I thought this was interesting. It wasn't Blitzburg. They were not doing what Baltimore did. They rushed four, sometimes three, occasionally five. But I thought that their secondary won against the Bengals wide receivers, with the exception of T. Higgins. Yeah, and and I think, uh, unfortunately, Hayden had another big game. Joe Hayden was very good. I mean, he got his hands on a lot of footballs and, um, and, and disrupted timing of routes, and he, he was very good. I do think that Baltimore, the difference between Baltimore and Pittsburgh is Baltimore has multiple Pro Bowls in the back end. So they feel like they can bring tons of people and really get after the quarterback and mess him up because they're so good in the back end. Pittsburgh is sound, solid, but... Their coaching staff feels like our strength is in the front. So we're going to rush four, and we're going to get there with those four. We're going to keep seven back there. Uh, and that's what they did for the most part. And, and like guys were saying after the game, they don't run a ton of different coverages back there. They, they have a couple of three things they do, and they know to do it very well. Every single route combination, they get studied. And, uh, and they're, they're tough. But they have seven bodies back there. So they can double multiple people if need be, 
and still get pressure on the quarterback with their four-man rush that's so extraordinary with Watt and, and Dupree. So that's the biggest difference is where the strength of those Baltimore and Pittsburgh defenses are and their coaches you know, proceed accordingly with game plans that uh, that kind of accentuate the positives and kind of help along with uh, things that they're not as strong in. In a 16-game regular season, the Bengals special teams will out, outperform the other squads, special teams 12 times out of 16. I mean, they usually win the special teams battle. Not on Sunday in Pittsburgh. A fumble on, a, on the first punt return by Alex Erickson. Then he seemed to get a little gun-shy catching punts. Two got downed inside the 10 as a result. They gave up a 42-yard punt return. They had the fake punt late in the game, which I guess helps even things out a little bit. But by and large, they got outperformed significantly in special teams. Yeah, I think, you know, as we know, Darren Simmons looks at the average drive start. And you factor in turnovers. Those are going to be short fields sometimes, and they were. Uh, A couple of turnovers are a factor in that. But, man, multiple times, almost a half a dozen times. I mean, they're starting inside their 20-yard line, sometimes inside their 10. I mean, that's, that's long field. They scored a touchdown. On one of those drives, uh, you know, eight plays, 90 yards for a touchdown on fourth down, the two-yard touchdown reception that T. Higgins had. But, yeah, I, I think overall, on a snap-by-snap basis, after having the worst special teams game that Danny Smith and his team has had for a long time down in Dallas, Pittsburgh was horrible in Dallas on special teams. Dallas stayed in that game because of special teams' excellence. And that was a big point of contention, I'm sure, Prepared for this game, we got to bounce back. If we play like this against the Bengals, it'll be even worse. So I think you know the players responded, Coach Danny Smith responded, and they put together a pretty good game. I agree with you. I think the uh, you know the fake fake punt kind of you know it's it, it, it's kind of like uh, you know meaningless yards or meaningless lipstick on Miss Piggy. Yeah, exactly. But they got the look they they you know that they were working against, and they took full advantage of it. And Sean Williams. Uh, Got the big benefit from it, but uh, yeah, snap on a snap by snap basis, Darren Simmons is going to be in the grill of his special teams players. Uh, they punted the ball way too much, and uh, had some way too many mistakes and, and problems in special teams. Ben Roethlisberger, three hundred and thirty three passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks, passer rating of one ten. He improves to twenty six and seven head to head against Cincinnati. I said it late in the broadcast. He's thirty eight years old. He's in his seventeenth season. If and when he decides to retire and they have some sort of retirement ceremony in Pittsburgh for Steelers fans, I am going. I will be so happy when he is done tormenting my teams. First it was UC, three and zero against Gino Gadulli when Gino was great. And now, as I mentioned, 26-7 and seven against the Bengals. And Mike Tomlin's 25-5. and five. Come on. I mean, Ben, though, the state of Ohio, his record on the road against the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, and while he was at Miami of Ohio, had an undefeated season. I mean, it's ridiculous. He owns the state of Ohio. Living in Finley, Ohio, he loves to come back home. The whole state's his home, not just Finley, Ohio, the state of Ohio. Is, a, is, is true comfort food for Ben Roethlisberger, and he feasts. He has a buffet every time he's in Cincinnati or in Cleveland, and it, it, is, it is unbelievable how Ben Roethlisberger has owned the Bengals during the course of his career. It really is. Are you going to watch that YouTube series, Bigger Than Ben, featuring him and his wife about his comeback from uh, the uh, torn tendons in his right elbow? I think I may have to miss that one. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be must-see TV in the Lapham household. 
I don't know how many videos there are on YouTube. 10 million, 50 million. That is the very last thing I would watch on YouTube. It would just make me that much angrier. I'll tell you, though, to, to look at it, how he has recovered from that type of – that severe an injury, it, it's remarkable. Uh, he is a tough son of a gun, but he definitely wants you to know he's a tough son of a gun. He is a drama queen as well, as well as being a tough, uh, tough hombre. And his teammates know it. Ryan Clark with ESPN rips him all the time. Uh, even Mike Tomlin has tongue-in-cheeked it a few times, how Ben is, you know, Ben's Ben, the drama of Ben. Ben feeds off of it. Ben wants to be the drama queen. He he wants the story to be, you know, the John Wayne rides uh, off into the sunset after rescuing the day. That's Big Ben in a nutshell. And I think the man is under rated mm-hmm. he's rarely mentioned as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he's got two super bowl rings he's been to a third super bowl now he's ninth all time and or eighth all time and touchdown passes seventh and yards he's approaching sixty thousand yards uh, i kid because i respect the guy he has had an unbelievable career incredible incredible i mean like we talk about joe burrow being a rookie quarterback checking boxes man Find me a box that Ben Roethlisberger does not check. That gold jacket is going to go on his shoulders as soon as it possibly can upon his retirement, and he will be a proud member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. The guy is spectacular. Hopefully very soon. Like tomorrow. Here's a quick reminder to join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Now, time for this week's Fun Facts segment where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with linebacker Marcus Bailey from the Columbus suburb of Hilliard, Ohio, about 10 miles away from the Ohio State campus. Marcus, I think most of us assume that any young football player growing up near Columbus is obsessed with the Buckeyes. Were you? I think you're, you're right on the money there. It's kind of inevitable. Like everyone just has Ohio State plastered everywhere. Uh, it's kind of like all you're exposed to growing up. So, I mean, it's just you have no choice but to be an Ohio State fan. And, you know, the fan base there is great. Like, they, you know, they're really passionate about it, about their Buckeyes and uh, about Ohio State football. So, yeah, I was an Ohio State fan growing up. Um, but, obviously, that, that, changed, that changed quickly once I, once I got, uh, got exposed to the Boilermakers. So. Was your childhood bedroom a shrine to Ohio State? Did you dress up as Buckeyes for Halloween? How bad was it? No, it wasn't like that. There were definitely, like, at least 75% of kids in, <laughs> in elementary schools in, in uh, central Ohio were definitely like that. But uh, no, nah, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't me. Uh, we, I mean, we watched the games and stuff, but I wasn't like a diehard fan. You know, you're just a kind of a, kind of a fan by default, you know? We're doing fun facts with Marcus Bailey. Aside from sports, did you have any other interests as a kid? My first like athletic experience at all was like with martial arts actually. So the elementary school I went to was actually in Dayton, Ohio, and trial was called Trotwood Prep and Fitness Academy. And every day we had like an hour of like either uh, gym or, or martial arts. It was Taekwondo. And I kind of um, got, got attached to it. Like I was only five or six when I started, but I ended up being really good at it. Uh, I mean, I ended up getting my black belt 
and uh, competed in the in the Arnold's. Um, you know, you know the Arnold tournament in Columbus. They have every year in the you know doing weapons. I was good with the bow staff. I did uh, competed with the you know I had size. I was uh, nunchucks and then sparred. I have some trophies. Now talking about I have some trophies back in my room in Columbus a little bit of those uh, like third grade, second grade uh, Taekwondo tournament uh, um, trophies for, for winning, winning stuff there. So, yeah, so that was, that's, I guess that's a little bit of like a fun fact. That's kind of how I started my, my, uh, athletic experience. So maybe it's helped me now being a linebacker, being flexible and all that, who knows. Is there some sort of great picture or video from your childhood of you like breaking six boards or anything nah, like see, that? That's like, that's all shot. I don't think we didn't, we didn't really do the board break or anything like that. That's all like the, that's like the smoke and whistle stuff. No, <laughs> that's all for show. Off or so, yeah. Some of those boards are not even, they're easy to break apparently, but I don't know if I have any video of me sparring or not. I'll have to see if I can get, get access to some of that. We're chatting with Marcus Bailey. Your hometown's about an hour and 45 minutes from Paul Brown Stadium. Did you come down to Cincinnati as a kid for any reason? I definitely didn't go to any Bengals games. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't go to any NFL games growing up, actually. I don't think I really visited Cincinnati a lot. My first time really there was back in 2018. I was I was still at Purdue. I came to Riverbend for a concert and visited some friends here that went to UC. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really spend a lot of time in Cincinnati actually. What was the show? It was a Wiz Khalifa concert. A Wiz Khalifa concert. Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was pretty fun. It was good. You chose Purdue, and you were recruited by a young coach who is now one of the rising stars in college coaching. UC's defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Aside from sharing the first name. Why did you two guys connect? He was a younger coach and he related to us. And, uh, you know, he, he was a, I, I recognized the name from him playing at Ohio State. And I remember him having a lot of, like, being really high energy and being passionate and uh, building, uh, like, a genuine relationship with, with me as a recruit. You know, I thought he was going to, you know, bring the best out of me as a player. And, um, you know, I, I liked him a lot. So that definitely contributed to me, you know, committing to Purdue back then. I imagine you are not surprised by his success. Not at all. Yeah, I'm super happy for him. I was able to reconnect with him over over the summer. And after I got drafted, he congratulated me. And um, I was able to go actually do a couple couple like little linebacker workouts with him. You know, when everything was like, you know, I wasn't able to get workouts in with, with the Bengals stuff. So We're chatting with Bengals linebacker Marcus Bailey. October 21st, 2018, Purdue 49 undefeated second ranked Ohio state 20. And it was like a Hollywood script. You had 15 tackles and a 41 yard pick six off Dwayne Haskins. Is that the single best day of your life so far? Besides, yeah, besides getting drafted. Yeah, it probably is. That was uh, definitely a highlight of my college career, you know, getting the chance to play against my hometown team and all the hype that was going into it, you know, like, at this point, it's for the past two years, that's that's always that's always brought up and everything because it was obviously such a you know a spectacle. But yeah, it was it was one of the highlights of my college career for sure. Did people back home give you crap about it? It was mixed. It was mixed. Yeah, it was mixed. Like uh, it was like kind of like you know they wanted Ohio State to win, but they wanted me to do good. So it was like you know it was a little bit of a mix there. Marcus, that night, much of the nation got to know a young cancer patient and Purdue superfan named Tyler Trent, who has since passed away at the age of 20. What impact did Tyler have on you? Tyler was a, a pivotal part to our team that year. We were motivated 
by his resiliency, by his will, by his strength. And he made the most out of a terrible situation. And uh, it made you have gratitude and uh, made you have perspective over the things that you do have and uh, realize that, that, you know, things could be a lot worse. And someone that's in a, a lot worse situation made the most out of it and is doing amazing things. So it was definitely inspiring for our football team. Yeah, I was, I was glad to get to meet him. You had to overcome hardship at Purdue. You tore your ACL early in your college career. And then early in your senior year, you tore the ACL in the other knee. At that point, you knew there was a good chance you'd have an NFL opportunity. How devastating was it? Yeah, I mean, it was super devastating because after the 2018 season, I had my my stock was super high and um, I just wanted to solidify my spot as one of the top linebackers in the country in, in the 2019 season. Uh, so I was super devastated after that injury happened. But this just talking about perspective, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, it was early in the season. I still had a chance to to get rehab before the, before the draft and everything. So I had to stop being sorry for myself and just look forward at that point. And, um, you know, I was fortunately able to have my rehab be successful and work my way back into a position where I could get drafted. We'll wrap up fun facts with a few wild card questions for Marcus oh, Bailey. Gosh. At Big Ten Media Days prior to your senior year, you were decked out. Oh, yeah, I was clean. I was clean. A paisley jacket with your initials and uniform number embroidered on the pocket, a bow tie in Purdue colors. Are you a fashion hound? Uh, I'm a, I'm a like opportunistic fashion hound. Like I'm not always, it's too much effort to do it all the time. So I'm not going to say that, but like on the time, on the days that like, like the, the big time, like the opportunities you got to show out, I could show out on those days. You know what I mean? So yeah, big 10 media day or like, uh, or like, I remember we had this or like a Halloween or something like that. Uh, I'll try to, I'll try to go a little extra on those type of days. You know, it was very impressive. You have a lot of fun posting humorous videos on TikTok. Do you have a little I, class clown in you? I was never a class clown because I used to always get irritated by class clowns. But I mean, I, I try to have a, you know, a good sense of humor when, and find humor in situations to, it helps you kind of deal with the stress. And uh, it's always, it's always good when you have people around you that have kind of a similar sense of humor to you, like a, a sarcastic or satirical sense of humor. You can kind of bounce that, that off each other, but the TikTok has been has been put on postponed for a little bit until until after the, until after the season maybe we'll see. But yeah, that was that was fun getting into that. Just you know, that was something new and that was kind of like everyone was getting hyped up about TikTok. So I was like, well, let, me, let me let me see what's going on here. And then I realized you can kind of get like you can you know build build a good little fan base outside of the sport with it. You post some some videos that get a lot of views and everything. So that was just something I just try to do just on my my, my free time back then. All right, a tough one. If you could meet any athlete in history, who would it be? LeBron James is one of my favorite athletes, so like I would definitely want to try to meet him. Um, if we're talking about football, one of the best linebackers I played, uh, Luke Kuechly. I mean, he's not he's in your history. You think about someone who's maybe passed away, but now Luke, he's still alive and well. But I, I would want to meet him just to get his uh, perspective on football IQ and everything. So, or LeBron James. When it comes to food or snacks, what's your weakness? Oatmeal cream pies. I like, oh, I love some, some oatmeal cream pies actually, or some double stuff Oreos. Do you indulge or do you have good willpower? Uh, see, I would like to say I, I have good willpower, but sometimes, sometimes you break. Sometimes you break. Sometimes you eat the whole row, you know? Join the club. Happens to us all. <laughs>
You're off the hot seat. I appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Appreciate it. That's Fun Facts with Marcus Bailey. My thanks to rookie Marcus Bailey, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast. Podcast.